Hey, I'm Matt Merrill, and welcome back to Ship It, the podcast from Depth Agency that's made by engineers for engineers. On this episode of Ship It, we go further into the topic of content management systems, or CMSs. If you haven't already taken a listen to our Why CMS episode, which is episode 20, you definitely should for some good grounding on the topic. Today, we're taking a deep dive into Depth Dash, which is a project for developers that helps you bootstrap applications using headless CMSs like Strapi and Contentful. Joining us today are Alan Wintersek, managing partner of Depth US, and John Berger, who's the principal engineer on the project. And here we go. All right. Hey, I'm Matt Merrill. I'm a director of engineering here at Depth Agency in the US. So one of our last episodes, we did kind of a, a recap or a, an overview of content management systems, CMSs. I think we called it CMSs, explain it like I'm five. Today, I have a couple of guests who are going to continue that topic. We have Alan Wintersek and John Berger, both from Depth US as well. And we're going to do a bit of a deep dive into a particular framework that they put together that helps with specifically headless CMSs. Let me uh, let them introduce themselves. So Alan, you want to go first? Yeah, certainly. So I'm Alan. I'm one of the managing partners here for Depth US, and I run the Depth Dash project internally here, which we'll talk about in a moment. Well, John. Hey, my name is John Berger. I'm the principal engineer for Depth Dash. Been working with Alan for several years. Yeah, excited to chat a little bit today. Nice. Yeah, and I should mention like we're uh, kind of different teams in Depth US that do very similar product design and development. So just a quick recap, if you haven't heard the other episodes, CMSs, most people have heard of them, content management systems, basically a system that helps you edit, publish content out to the web. It makes it very easy for a typical user to publish web content and non-web content, actually. They range in flavors all the way from gigantic enterprise systems that have publishing workflows and extremely detailed permissioning all the way down to very simple products that have a simple admin screen and just an API. That last category, roughly, is generally referred to as a headless CMS, and it's basically administrative content publishing along with an API, and you make your own front end for that content. I'm going to let you guys correct me if I got any of that wrong, but today we're going to talk about Depth Dash, which you guys have both alluded to, which is a project meant to help you use headless CMSs. So first of all, let me know if I got all that right. And if you guys want to talk about like, what are the challenges of using a headless CMS and kind of why this project Depth Dash came about? Yeah, certainly. So yeah, you got, that's pretty spot on. The generally, if you think about headless anything, the goal around the entire thing is to allow you to customize every part of the front end experience of any sort of product. So it goes for headless CMSs. Headless e-commerce is effectively the same kind of thing where you have all of the features you want behind the scenes, but you need a completely custom experience on the front end. And that's great. And it sounds great for a lot of use cases. But what we run into a lot is that that inevitably means you have to actually create your entire front end from scratch, which obviously is more work than just having someone deliver you a front end in a sort of traditional monolithic kind of setup. And so you get this pros and cons of you have all the flexibility in the world to make your entire own custom front end, but it means you have to actually do all of that work, which takes longer and costs more and all of that kind of stuff. So we landed on Dash being a solution for a sort of middle ground where people want to end up in a headless setup where they have all this flexibility, but they need to deliver quickly. They need to get to market quickly. 
quickly and they can't spend, you know, nine months to a year recreating their entire front end in a headless setup. They need to get something out very quickly, but they still want the benefits of that kind of flexible headless approach from that point forward. So what Dash is effectively is it spins up a whole bunch of different features and modules for people so that they have all of these things out of the box in their own sort of custom headless front end. And then from that point forward, they can own everything and make any changes they want to make and completely have a continual headless setup. But it cuts out some of that traditional cost for a headless approach. Interesting. So most of our audience on this podcast is developers, perhaps some product people. You know, we're not showing anything with this podcast. So like, what exactly is it? What do you get? How do you use it? Just try to illustrate that picture so that we can have a grounding kind of going forward. Yeah, for sure. So if you think about a headless product in more technical terms, effectively is all of the business logic and all of the sort of data storage behind an API. So a headless CMS is all of the editing experience, stores all your content, stores all your media, and then you have a nice API to query all of that content. So you can think as an engineer, you can think, well, what does that mean? If I'm going to use a headless CMS, I inevitably have to start a brand new kind of front-end application of some flavor, React or whatever. I have to query all of those APIs. I have to put it into my own kind of data model, TypeScript, et cetera. And then I have to render it all out in some manner on the front end, which is great because you have all the flexibility to do all of that, but it's still a normal engineering project to set all that up and make it all happen. So that's what Dash is on a more technical level. Yeah. is a bunch of kind of building blocks for individual pieces. For example, take Contentful, a popular headless CMS. We have the kind of backend integration to query all the data from Contentful. And then we have a variety of components to take all that data and render it on the front end in a straightforward way that you can then take and customize. So takes doing all of that completely custom. It does about half of it for you. Then you just have a code base that you can modify and tweak instead of having to set everything up from scratch. Code scout. Exactly. And you mentioned components. This is React or is that a different type of component? Nope, it's React. Yeah, so all the component yeah. side is all React. It's Remix on the sort of rendering build side, whatever you want to call it. And that also does sort of the backend kind of node portion. Server of side rendering, sort yeah. Of okay. Yeah. And so I've said this before, I'm not a front-end person. Uh, I'm not a strong front-end person anyway. So I'm kind of thinking create React app specifically tailored for headless CMSs, particularly those flavors that you just mentioned. Is that yep. along That's the right lines? Yeah, that's spot on exactly. And then think a little further along the lines of a bunch of different headless CMS options, plus some headless e-commerce options, plus things like Algolia for search and things like that. So it's just a, like you said, create React app plus a bunch of sort of pieces for a common functionality. Got it. I think I've heard this referred to as like a batteries included framework. Yes, exactly. Yeah, that's awesome. So I've used things like this before. Create React app is actually pretty good in my experience, but right, I've used other templating and scaffolding projects. And the problem that I've hit before is like I end up with too much that I have to deal with. I'll just say like whether I strip it out or I just get confused by it, then it muddies the waters. So how does that work in Dad? You know, you mentioned that you can pick and choose things, but maybe you can talk a little bit more about that. Yeah, we've been super cognizant about making sure that we don't become bloatware, basically, right? That we let you decide what you want and definitely what you don't want. We've heard feedback when talking to developers about this, that they're like really scared of getting all this code, all these files that maybe they don't want, and that's going to restrict them and kind of how they're building their project. So you'll see a lot in our documentation, phrases like, 
if you don't need this, if it stresses you out, get rid of it. Here's how you can get rid of it. And so <laughs> they know me or you know yeah, me. Ex- yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so we've created some scripts to remove files you don't need. If you choose an integration, decide, hey, I don't want it. But before you even get to that point, we're letting you choose what integrations you want to build into DevDash. Yeah. From the outset, hopefully we're saying, here's the buffet of integrations Take your pick, and then you can change your mind later if you don't want to. That's awesome. What is that process like of the, of the bootstrap? Like, I'm familiar with Create React app. I'm also going to date myself a bit, I think, and talk about Yeoman. Does anybody remember? Oh, Yeoman? yeah. I do yeah. remember. Is that still around? <laughs> I don't know if that's still around. Surely, it is. it is. I don't know. I haven't seen I it in a long time. it might time. be, but nobody uses it. I thought it was awesome. But anyway, I'm familiar with those. I'm sure there's others, but like, let's talk a little bit about what how do you get going? Do you already need a headless CMS set up? I mean, certainly if you're going to use a headless CMS, you'll need to make an account with whatever provider you've decided on. And, and uh, refresh my memory, what are the ones that Dash supports again? Alan, do you want to take that one? Yeah, we do uh, Contentful, Strappy, Content AI, Content Stack, and we're just about to do Sanity IO. Nice. Oh, so we're adding more. Great. Yeah. Okay. Sorry I interrupted you there, but I have a memory of a fly. So, cool. Yeah, so... Obviously, you're going to need to sign up with your CMS providers or any other third-party tools you want, just like any normal custom project. But then we've tried to make the setup process as easy as possible. When we were talking about how to do this, we wanted to keep in mind that this should be accessible for not just mid-senior level developers, like junior level devs should be able to set up this project. (laughs) So you'll install a couple tools to get your environment going, start a database locally on your machine if you decide you need a database. And then it's literally just copy pasting one line of code that then downloads the DevDash project, lets you choose some options, and boom, you're good to go. You know, we've timed it because <laughs> we're like that and we want some stats on how, how long it takes. And it's always less than five minutes. So it's super simple and quick. And that's why it's called Dep Dash. <laughs> ah, now I get it. Marketing. Yes. Hashtag marketing. Hashtag branding. So you mentioned if you need a database, which makes sense to me, right? Because probably most of your content is going to be stored in the CMS, right? But you may need to, sup- I guess, supplement with some sort of custom data storage. What databases do you support? Right now, it's just Postgres. Worse, we decided there could that be was, worse options. Yeah, we love Postgres. We, love Post, but, we, okay. we do love Postgres. What we've seen too is that just like you said, a whole whole lot of projects don't need any sort of data storage outside of the CMS anyway. So usually it's situations where people need to store some sort of lightweight user accounts or some sort of yeah. basic kind of login thing. But if it's a basic marketing website where you're just doing CMS content, you probably don't even need a database at all. Nice. How are these things like how you authenticate to the API, the URLs, the database hosts? Are they environment variables? Are they configuration files? How do you hook all that in? Yeah, generally speaking, uh, a little of both is the short answer. Most everything is environment variables, so they can get fed into all the different places we need them, environments where they get deployed. We do have some that are just like intended to be committed to the repo, because a lot of these yep. things, like Shopify, for example, all of their keys are all intended to be public front-end-related sure. keys anyway. Yep. So in those situations, we just have a file that's a config file that you commit to the repo intentionally. Got it. Are people already using this? Or is this something that's new? Yeah, we've done a couple projects that are fully, one is fully live and done. We have one in development right now. And then there's several that are kind of in process of either starting soon or in consideration. 
the exciting part of that is, you know, as we use more and more projects, maybe a certain project will use a new integration and we'll actually pull that back into depth dash. So then the suite of integrations grows as more yeah. projects use it, which is awesome. That's awesome. I'm a cloud and DevOps nerd myself. How are people generally deploying this, the dash portion? You mentioned it's running on Remix, which needs some kind of node server or does it, well, I guess that's another question. Does it need a node server or can it run statically? How are people deploying this? Yeah, it's all, I can take part of this, John, or you take any of it. So to answer the one question, it does need a server because Remix is generally all about sort of server rendered React, generally speaking. We made that decision early on because we wanted Dash to be useful for a wider range of projects. And especially when you get into e-commerce and things like that, you just need some way to do server-sided logic and it can't all be static. And so you need some sort of server. On the deployment side, we support three different targets right now. We have an AWS one, which is all CDK into Elastic Container Service effectively. And then we have also Fly.io and uh, Vercel as two other targets. Fly.io. I know that one. We both know that one. I just wrote a blog post about that one. I love Fly. It has some limitations, but it's great. I'm guiding the conversation here, but I've seen a demo of this, right? So like, I kind of have a mental model of what this looks like. And we've tried to like paint that picture, but I do want to mention that along with this podcast, we're going to publish a screencast, I guess, if you will, of how this all works to give you a picture of it. And so you can see with your own eyes what this does. We'll link that in the description. I never want this podcast to sound like we're just trying to sell something, right? So Of course, we're trying to sell it, but like, there's got to be places where this isn't appropriate. So when wouldn't you want to use this? Let's try to round this out. Yeah, for sure. I can chime in first and then John, if you have thoughts. But I think if you think about the analogy I had up front of the sort of headless versus non-headless, like whether something comes out of the box with an entire front end for someone to use or whether you have to create the entire thing yourself... Dash kind of effectively becomes the starting point for another head, quote unquote, another front end sort of interface to access all of this stuff. And if that starting point meshes with a certain project's goals, then I think it's a good solution to that. But there are certainly situations where it doesn't particularly mesh with those goals. So for example, on the technical side, maybe a team is much more familiar with Vue and they really want to have their front end entirely in Vue. In that case, you probably should do something that's based on Vue and not on React. Or maybe you're using a headless CMS that's not one of the ones that we integrate, or you have some sort of other kind of feature set or something in mind that just doesn't quite mesh with what we have kind of targeted as the main straight down the fairway features of Dash. And in that case, you should just do the usual headless thing and make your own front end, in my opinion. Yeah, I think people have strong opinions and we're not trying to meet every use case with this. We just noticed that most projects that we see use a certain combination of technologies. And we decided that since we're doing all this boilerplate pretty much the same way for a lot of these projects, why not automate some of that? So to Alan's point, we've taken a subset, a large subset of projects, and we think this is going to be really helpful for them, but it might not be. So (laughs) like I said, if it stresses you out, don't use it. That's fine. (laughs) That's good. So I guess the last question is, yeah, how do you use this? So generally, we adapt, as probably everyone listening knows, are a digital agency. And we've made Dash intentionally sort of go alongside 
projects that we do here at Dept. So for the most part, the way to get a hold of it is reach out, talk to us, talk to us about doing a general project in general. And if Dash is a good fit for that project, we would oftentimes use it alongside it. We could in the future, we may consider releasing this more kind of by itself so people can use it without a corresponding Dept project. But right now that's not the plan or at least not under radar immediately. And so we'll probably move into that more in the future potentially. Nice. I love that. It's very much in line. You know, we're very similar working styles, I think. And, you know, I love that. Like, okay, maybe this is a fit for you. We'll reach out, but we're engineers and there's a problem and we're going to solve it with the best solution. That might be the best solution, but there might be something else too. Yeah, so, absolutely. That's, yeah, that's really, it has to it has to give you enough value and enough actual time savings because it has to fit well enough. And if it's a question mark whether it does that, then great. We'll just make it custom like we always do. Yeah, I mean, the answer to one of these business problems could very well be, maybe you shouldn't even use Atlas CMS. Maybe you should use something more out of the box. So those are a whole array of opportunities. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we've, we've seen that plenty where people... People may even sometimes be on board the sort of headless CMS thing purely from more of a hype standpoint. And the reality is if your use case is really straightforward and is likely to continue to be straightforward, it might be a good idea to just use something more traditional that has all of this out of the box for you because it's always going to be less work. You'll get less flexibility, but it's always going to be faster and easier to use something completely out of the box. We always end with picks, which is just something that's interesting to you lately. could be software related, could be work related, could be something totally different. So, you know, mix for a fun end of the episode. So I like to go first just to set the, you know, make sure the guests are comfortable. My pick is not work related at all. It's a book I've been reading called Breath by James Nestor. It is basically an entire book about how impactful the way you breathe is to your life and how breathing through your nose is extremely important. I know this sounds ridiculous. The way it's written and some of the information you found out is fascinating. So highly recommend you give it a read. I'm about three quarters of the way through it. John, you want to go next? Sure. I guess mine is like tech related. Last week, I found an old Raspberry Pi sitting around in my bed drawer. And I don't even know. It was randomly in like the utility closet. And so I was thinking, hey, what can I do with this Raspberry Pi? So I was just reading up on it and found this cool idea called an ADSB receiver. And so I attached an antenna to my Raspberry Pi. And that actually picks up all of the the signals from the transponders on all the planes flying above my apartment. Oh, wow. And I live in Atlanta, which has like the busiest airport in the world, I think. And so it's been really cool to see all the planes flying over. And there's a little web interface that I've set up. So you can click on one and see where they're coming from and where they're going. It's been really awesome. So check it out. That's That's my pick. ADSB receiver on a Raspberry Pi. Very cool. That's awesome. That's super cool. That's super cool. Yeah. Um, let's see. I'll go non-tech related too. I'm reading a uh, John Le Carre book right now, A Perfect oh. Spy, and I'm really enjoying it. I've read, I think, one of his before. And Did he write really, The Night Manager? I, I've watched the show, but I have not read the book. The show I is fantastic. I haven't read the book either. Yeah, the show yeah. is fantastic. Yeah, the show is absolutely fantastic. But yeah, he does so many that have been turned into shows or movies and stuff. Oh. And yeah, just fantastic. So would recommend. Nice. Cool. All right. I think that'll wrap it up. Thank you guys. We really appreciate you being here. Likewise. Thanks, Thanks, Matt. This was fun. Mm -hmm.